Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., and Jesse Cofield here. We're hoping to talk to Fox Sports baseball analyst John Smoltz as he gets set for the Call of the World Series that will get started tomorrow night, Dad, mm. between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. And I I'm – I'm going to try to have a better attitude about this series than I had yesterday. I felt a little badly about that. I understand that these people are all going out and doing their absolute best, and they can't be helped that they just lost to the two inherent – or won against the two more inherently interesting teams. Yep. One, because the Astros have been seen as this sign-stealing, nefarious mm -hmm. bunch, and then the other side and the Phillies, who seemed fun and drunk and right. blue-collar yeah. and all those things <laughs> that we had associated with them. It's not their fault that they're inherently less interesting off the field and that I'm inherently less interested in baseball on the field than some of its core fans. So I'm going to try and have a better attitude about this. I know you've actually been excited about this series, so I'm sure you're 
you're going to be already ready for whatever Smoltz has for us. I, I am because I, I just I, a championship in, in any any sport to me. I mean, this is this is you know, it's what you work for. It's the culmination. It's what when 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 in our sport all zeros hit or when you know the last out is made or what whatever the 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 game is, man. When you have have spent that entire year going for that goal. And you and you hit it. I, I just can't imagine the euphoric feeling uh, that it would have been. I mean, you guys, the closest in our family is you and Jake. You know, playing in the national championship game uh, to to kind of close that deal out. I just I just love it. And, and people always say, man, but if you're on the losing end of that, how bad it is. Well, you know what? You never find out unless you're in it. You know, so you got to take the chance of losing by being there to take the chance of winning. So I I, I just get excited for. It. I get it. From the standpoint of people wanted, you know, if you want Houston in there to hate them and you want Philly in there because to love them and right. to, to drink along with them and play some kind of drinking game while the game's going on and just so many more storylines and stars and guys to talk about. And this I isn't it. a TV ratings it. thing either. Like, no, I don't no, care no. what the ratings no. are. I'm not a TV executive right. and I'm not at the helm of negotiating a CBA for any of these leagues. That stuff does not matter to me. I just want to feel something. I want to feel yeah. a little bit alive. And those things made me feel something in a way that was easy and accessible and understandable. So hopefully we'll get to talk to Smoltz here. We'll see. Uh, coming up here in a couple of minutes. But, uh, Dad, heading into this weekend in the NFL, we've started to hit the meat grinder portion of the season. Yeah, we have. Right now yep. Because we're looking up in a lot of these games. And so much of it, especially, you know, I mean, and gamblers have always been in tune with this uniquely. But... So much of this is just about who's available and at the right time at this portion of the NFL season. Some of the better teams, if they've got to you know, rest a guy right now, see Tyreek Hill in the hip injury, right? We don't know right. if Tyreek Hill is going to be available or not this season. He's been criminally available, always available for the Miami Dolphins since he got over there. The guy does not miss games since he's put on a Dolphins uniform. But in this case, he might, and that's because if you're the Miami Dolphins, you're weighing the now against what your goals are for the season, which are a lot bigger than that. It gets a little dicey at quarterback. So going into this weekend, we are going to have the combination of Will Levis and Malik Willis versus the Atlanta Falcons. The Giants are probably going to put Tyrod Taylor back out there as Daniel Jones has been dealing with that neck injury. We know Gardner Minshew is going to be out there for the Colts against the Saints because Anthony Richardson's done for the season. Tyson Badgett versus the Chargers. Brian Hoyer at the Lions. P.J. Walker at the Seahawks, which, Dad, that uh, Cleveland Browns situation yeah. with Deshaun Watson uh, taking a very interesting turn right now. Our guy Brady Quinn had some words the other day uh, with Deshaun's quarterback coach online about that. But that one especially feels a little bit different than the rest of them where, you know, Justin Fields got a hand injury. And for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, Jimmy Garoppolo came into this season a little bit banged up and you were worried about that. The Browns won with Deshaun Watson. They're trying to protect, and Kevin Stefanski is still referred to him as their franchise quarterback, but we're venturing further and further into the territory where it's like, all right, even if you believe, and, and I have no reason not to, that Deshaun Watson is actually hurt. You talked about the difficulty right. playing with a rotator cuff oh, injury as a defensive lineman, let alone a quarterback, but the way they've continued to handle it, putting him out there for a little bit last week, he gets tested for the concussion protocol in the middle of the game, passes but then they don't put him back into it it's all become very strange and it's going to invite I think a unique brand of criticism because of who Deshaun Watson has been off the field 
So basically, they're going to lay this one around the shoulder and say, while structurally nothing more happened to the rotator cuff, there was some swell. They're saying there was some swelling in there. And and again, a rotator cuff injury, and there is degrees of it, but this is usually a multi-week thing uh, to go through. And, And as someone who knows about this with all the surgeries on the shoulders that I've had, but... Again, the difference being me being a defensive lineman and and not, not really having any throwing motion and trying to throw a ball with a hurt rotator cuff. It has to be painful and difficult uh, to get all the juice you want on the ball. So you need that thing healed up. But we all know the circumstances here. The owners can't stand the, the Haslam, the owner in Cleveland, because they gave this guy a fully guaranteed deal and they want it to be an outlier instead of a precedent. And they seem to have won that battle with the latest round of quarterbacks that have signed. Uh, for those that don't like Deshaun Watson for what's gone on off the field, I'm sure they're all in their glory saying, you know, this is karma coming back to hit you here. But even though the dude's still walking away with $236 million. But, you know, from a playing standpoint, a pride standpoint, if anybody cares about that, this guy was one of the more near the top tier of quarterbacks in Houston. And now he's in the bottom tier with the way he's playing and, and basically can't even stay on the field. And that's what they're hoping for. So this looks like right now it's blowing up in the Browns' face which is a shame because they've done a nice job of building a team around the quarterback position. And they're doing it now in spite of, and then you lose Nick Chubb along the way as well. And that there's so much on this defense right now. And it's basically offense, don't screw it up by turning the ball over. You know, just try and be efficient in what you're doing. Put some points on the board and us as a defense We'll try and take care of the rest. And believe me, that's something else that I know about through my career, uh, for my years in, in Philadelphia. But it's hard to do. It's hard to go far if you don't have a competent offense. And right now, theirs is, theirs is an offense that you just can't trust. It really isn't. And they're still, right now, if the playoffs were to start today, they would be in as a wild card team. And that's kind of where they're going to be fighting for their lives for the rest of the season because there's nothing that we've seen that gives you hope that even if Deshaun Watson came back, he would be a good enough quarterback to lift them over the top. But to our point, he's not getting Wally pipped here, Dad. Like in these situations, I don't think in any of them really, sans the Titans, where obviously drafting Will Levis where you did was part of a succession plan. And so he has the chance to actually go out here and take this job versus the Falcons' defense. Ryan Tannehill dealing with an injury still. And so Ryan Tannehill understands as well or better than any quarterback in the NFL that when they're bringing him in right now, they're doing so to replace you when given the opportunity. But Tyrod Taylor and what he represents for Daniel Jones and the Giants, this one's a little bit more precarious because, Dad, every game he goes out there and continues to play well, which Tyrod Taylor has done because Tyrod Taylor is a seasoned veteran who might not have the highest ceiling in the world but is going to have you ready for most situations and prepared for most situations and be able to go out there and execute does highlight the growing concern among the Giants. Like, hey, this was a two-year investment that they made in the Daniel Jones extension that they signed. And as we've gone out and seen, Saquon Barkley performed pretty well despite coming right. back and playing on that one-year deal. And the rest of this group, even still behind a banged-up offensive line, the last couple of games look all right. Is going to be a lot of eyes on Daniel Jones now and what the team thinks about him going into the future. Yeah, uh, I, I guess to look at it in a kind of future but not too far in the future he's not going anywhere next year right Daniel Jones he's he's going to be there right he's going to be there 
Obviously, Anthony Richardson is going to be there after following his shoulder surgery. Um, you look at uh, at the Raiders. I mean, they're that that's going to be open for uh, you know a new quarterback next year. And with the Browns, you know it's going to still be Deshaun Watson going forward. Tyson Bajan, who is looks like he may get the start this week. I'm calling that game uh, out there in your neck of the woods because uh, uh, Justin Fields still hasn't started or still hasn't practiced because of the dislocated thumb. And he's a guy that we don't know what's going on right now. I, I'm sure it would probably be leaning toward. And, and, and Bajan isn't winning the job at the end of the season if he were to play a lot, and they're going to say he's the quarterback of the future. They would be picking a quarterback in the draft. Um, but there's a couple of teams that wouldn't, like I mentioned. You know, the Giants are not going to be. The Colts are not going to be. But I, I like what you're saying about Tyrod Taylor and leading an offense. I think Minshew can lead an offense pretty well as well. And for other guys, it's about, you know, in, in Tennessee, there's no doubt Tannehill's days are numbered there. And so Will Levis and Malik Willis both uh, are going to play in this game, according to Mike Vrabel. And, and it's good we're going to see what Levis is going to do because when Malik Willis got his chance, man, it was unfortunately horrific between holding on to the ball too long and not getting great blocking up front. So that's a real, real question mark position there. And still none of them even close to the most interesting backup quarterback situation going into the weekend, as we talked about before, was Sammy Dimes getting yeah. ready to make <laughs> his debut, potentially for the 49ers. I can't believe you guys don't see the writing on the wall in this situation. I truly don't. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. A guy guy comes in and, and splashes immediately, and everybody goes, whoa, look at this. What do we have going on here? We had a guy who's looked you know, normal the last two weeks after a great start. Now he's out, and another guy comes in and looks great. But in all honesty, it's why they got Sam Darnold, right? Is whenever you have a backup in, the whole job of a backup, because you a backup is supposed to come in for a bit, right, and help. You you hope they don't have to come in for the rest of the year, unlike the situation with the Colts where Minshew has got the rest of the year. You want to back up in for a few games. See Dak Prescott last year getting hurt in the first game. Um, and, and and Cooper Rush comes in, and right. he goes four. four but it's four. a little different when it's Cooper Rush versus a guy who is incredibly talented and a former first-round pick because, Dad, you know as well as I do the opportunities that are continually afforded to people that are drafted and come into the league in that way. Everyone's always looking for a reason to justify their pre-draft scouting report on one of those guys. And so all I'm saying is, him going out there and having a kind of game like that or leading them to wins like that hits a little bit different than Cooper Rush doing. Sam Darnold's not getting that job. Cooper Rush, as I said, went and went 4-1. and one. Sam Darnold's not getting that job. Brock Purdy has shown enough to where injured coming back, he's back in the starter. And what Kyle Shanahan will say is, well, we've got a hell of a backup if Sam Darnold comes in and plays. Well, my opinion, yeah, Sam, Brock Purdy is not in... in in danger of losing that starting job. I do not think so by any stretch because I think he's shown enough to be the starter, even though you're exactly right. Second overall pick to Mr. Irrelevant. Going forward, that Mr. Irrelevant usually finds a back bouncing from team to a backup role around the league where a former number two pick gets a shot everywhere at being a starter. You're correct in that. But in this particular situation, I think all, all that happens is that San Francisco feels, you know what? If we get our guy Brock Purdy nicked up, we got a guy that can come in and take the reins pretty well. 
I'm just saying this quarterback room has already been the most toxic situation in the NFL. Going back to when Trey Lance was still around there over the summer, I was amazed at how quickly this got nasty in that building where Trey Lance was their former third overall pick and a guy they had traded a bunch of resources for. And Brock Purdy, who comes in and all of his skills and the things that we think about in Brock Purdy's game are a lot harder for us to see, right? The more and more we go along, the real discrepancy between the people that want to say Brock Purdy is a top five quarterback based on results and the people that don't want to say that because he doesn't do the stuff independent of the play that we associate with quarterbacks that are a little bit more scheme transcendent. That's really what this boils down to. And Sam's got more of the latter. Sam's got more of the messy stuff. I mean, he's known, I I know there's a lot of of our friends that really enjoy watching Sam Darnold and still enjoy believing the possibility of good there. He's like a messy feet God. Nothing's ever totally pretty with him, but he's got the arm talent. He can make the plays when things break down. And all I'm saying is he plays well enough. This seems like the kind of fan base and conversation around this position group where it could get a little messy if Brock Purdy comes back and is anything short of spectacular yet again. Because unfortunately, Dad, too, for Brock Purdy, that's been the bar right now. Like, I think he played well in the last couple of games. But because they've been losses and because everyone was used to, well, Brock Purdy started off undefeated in his NFL career. And Brock Purdy started off with this incredible pace for statistics in the beginning of his career. And all this stuff that I know admitting that the rest of the team helps that is bad and makes you a hater but it's reality all of that has created this unrelenting impossible standard for this guy to live up to that he has so far and if he doesn't and this guy's sitting in the background i worry about what people are going to do i'm not saying it's right and i'm not saying it's root for it but i'm saying it's the perfect toxic breeding ground for this you're right because we are fickle as humans and that's just it's gonna the internet discourse is just gonna take over it's gonna make its way onto the talk shows we're gonna be talking about it it's gonna be amazing it's gonna create we're gonna create a quarterback controversy so i think the only way that happens even if sam Darnold comes out and plays well because mike you're right i mean two games ago against cleveland listen he did not have a great game but give a lot of credit to to the uh the Cleveland defense for that. He was 12 of 27, you know, a touchdown, an interception, got sacked three times, hit a bunch of times. Against Minnesota, he certainly wasn't awful, just nine incompletions, 272 yards, a touchdown. He did have those two bad fourth quarter interceptions. Those were on him. And that, that that's the thing you look at when you start giving the other team another chance because you're turning the ball over. I think the only way this starts going south for Purdy is if Sam comes in and has one of those games, like you said, you know, throws for over 300, a couple touchdowns, doesn't turn the ball over, looks really good. But then when Purdy's healthy, he comes back. Purdy will get the job back. But then if Purdy doesn't look good for another game or two, then it might just start to get a little interesting because this is a Super Bowl caliber roster team that you don't want to screw up. And, and everybody thinks that it's Purdy, it's Purdy, it's Purdy. And I do as well. I don't think Sam Darnold is going to be a threat to this. But that's the scenario I see. If Sam comes in and plays unbelievably well, Brock gets to handle again and is is mediocre at best for a couple of games, you might start get some uh, some uh, you know eyebrow raising going on. So to Jesse's point here, we are members of the media. We want to acknowledge that you know while we're not making decisions for any team, our voices play a role in here. And so I will just come out and say that I believe Brock Purdy is going to be the quarterback for the rest of the season of the 49ers. I am not going to be party to creating this mess. If the mess shows up, I will respond and react to it. I will 
probably like a few tweets associated with it, <laughs> but I will not be party to creating this mess on here. Dad and Jesse, I don't know if you guys would like to sign the pledge that we are not going to try and tear down Brock Purdy. This is a young man who came into the league as a borderline undrafted guy, which makes him near and dear to my heart. And he's a guy who has found success through that. He has played winning football for this team. He has been the best quarterback that we have seen under Kyle Shanahan's tutelage in the 49ers uniform. I think we can comfortably say he's been better at the helm of this offense than anything we saw at the heights of Jimmy Garoppolo, despite his win-loss record and what people wanted to take from that. So will you guys sign the pledge that we are not going to go out of our way to make this ugly for Brock Purdy because we want to see that young man succeed? Um, wow, that was, oh, a long oh, pause, Jesse. Oh. that was a long pause. I don't know. I kind of like the story of, like, you know, Sam Darnold going from the Jets to the Panthers. He's been overlooked. He has moments of greatness. Look, I like Darnold, and I I don't know. I don't know. I like Brock Purdy. You're right. You're right. I'll sign it. I'll sign it. I'll sign it. Listen, I, I think my my words have already said that I Brock Purdy is going to be the guy. He's going to be the starter. Sam Darnold. Like I said, in the backup role, keep your team's head above water uh, while you get the chance. But too much of Sam – and the, the Sam Darnold fans are going to say, it's a, a look at the talent that he has now in San Francisco, and that's what it's about as opposed to what he had with the Jets. And I never wish bad on anybody, but I just, think, I just think – listen, from what I saw of Sam Darnold at USC – I saw in the NFL, at times he looks good, and then at times he turns the ball over. 61 touchdowns and 55 interceptions. All right? I mean, I, I to me, I think that Sam, over the long haul, here and there, to come in and fill in a game, I think he can do great. But, but if he gets the rain somewhere, I just think eventually you see Sam Darnold. But this isn't somewhere. This is Kyle Shanahan's I know. offense. I know. And Kyle I know. Shanahan's offense is the most quarterback solvent offense in the NFL so far. Well, two and touchdowns like- and two touchdowns and three interceptions in the last two games for Brock Purdy. Well, yeah, I understand that. But again, guys have been out. Vikings finally right. didn't have turnover. All these things that we can explain in a way. The bottom line is this has been an offense that has been the most hospitable ground for quarterbacks in the NFL. Agreed. Agreed. And to Jesse's point, I do like the framework that if you are someone who is more party to the mess, you could just spin this as, hey, I love to see a redemption story for Sam Darnold. He doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a yep. bad guy. He's Agreed. into that journey yes. mode of his career. Yep. And so wanting to see good things for Sam Darnold does not automatically make you a Brock Purdy hater or right. slander Agreed. or anything like Agreed. that. So Don't right. feel too bad for Sam Darnold, though. He's making $4.5 million this year. So. That is true. That he's is done true, okay, and he's made as a second pick of the draft. He's done okay for himself. So yeah. nobody feels bad monetarily. And I listen, I hope he succeeds wherever he is. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of late round or undrafted success, coming up next, let's talk to the Seattle sensation, Jake Bobo, here on Gojo and Golan. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Rookie wide receiver Jake Bobos having himself a year with the Seahawks after signing with Seattle as an undrafted free agent in 2023. He made his debut in Seattle's Week 2 win over Detroit, had a career highs in interceptions and yards last week versus Arizona, and he sat down with Gojo to talk about his rookie season, and yes, that catch. So here's Gojo and Bobo. All right, excited to welcome in. It feels like... Seattle Seahawks cult phenomenon sensation rookie wide receiver Jake Bobo has that all sunk in for you man it feels like you're a guy in a city that's built on grunge music and finding people early you've been a name I've been hearing about from my friend Mina Kimes since the preseason so what's that been like becoming a Seattle rock star uh it's been pretty cool um <laughs> you know obviously you know I hadn't, hadn't you know exactly gotten used to it yet uh it's a cool deal though I appreciate you know the, the 12s, the Seattle Seahawks fans up here um, kind of making me their guy. It's been a, uh, yeah, it's been a fun process for sure. Well, and it culminates this past weekend in one of the early catch of the year candidates against the Cardinals. Did you know right when you went down that you got in there? Walk me through the feeling of making a highlight reel catch. Well, so you, you know, you get you, two feet hit the ground and it was close. Um, so, I, you know, I come down, ref calls me out of bounds. I'm asking him, you know, was it close? Was it not close? I look over and Pete's playing with the red flag, uh, so I knew something was going on. Um, but, you know, it was a great ball by Gino. Didn't really give me a choice but not to catch it. Um, and then, you know, luckily got two inbounds. Well, it's been incredible, man, and obviously, you know, for you guys, you, Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, both catching a touchdown in the same game, the first rookie wideouts for the Seahawks to ever do that. What's mm. it been like going through this rookie season with him? Both you guys come at this from opposite directions. He's a first-round pick. You're an undrafted free agent. But what's it been like for the two of you as rookies navigating this? It's been really cool. Um, and it kind of, like you said, it culminated on Sunday because uh, we had, you know, DK was out. Um, so it was going to be us two and Locke over on the other side. Uh, so the two youngins out there running around with the uh, with the vet. Um, and we knew we were going to have to produce. And it was really cool to see because, um, you know, he's, he's, you know, by NFL standards has gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, but, you know, we see every day in practice the, you know, the magic he can make happen when the, with the ball in his hand. So we knew we were going to have to get him the ball eventually. Um, we knew it was going to pop eventually. So it's cool to be able to show people, you know, what he does every day in practice. So it's been cool for, so far for sure. It's been really impressive, and you mentioned Lockett, DK Metcalf wasn't on the field this weekend, but you walked into a wide receiver room with two of the best in the NFL. No what were they like for you guys coming in? A lot of veterans have different philosophies on mentoring young guys or how they go about that. What were those two like for you? Yeah, it was really cool. You know, you come in and you hear NFL's a business. You know, they're not going to be a whole lot of friends in the locker room, yada, yada, yada. Um, but with those two and the other vets in that room, you know, D. Eskridge, Cody Thompson, um, you know, they took us all kind of under their wing, whether it was me, Jax, um, the other uh, undrafted guys, um, tryout guys immediately. Like, you know, second day I was here, DK took us to Top Golf as a group. Um, so it was a you know, really cool deal how they kind of came in, um, you know, took us in on and off the field. Obviously, you can learn so much from those two guys, but it was cool to kind of see the, the relationship we've built uh, so far off the field. Can DK actually golf? He feels like a guy that's too jacked to be able to swing. No, you're exactly right too tight don't tell him i said that 
<laughs> no, we'll make we'll make sure that, that somehow doesn't hit the airwaves here. It, it, what's it like walking into a room and seeing that guy play the same position as you? It's different. Um, it's different for sure. Well, not necessarily walking in the room, but walking out on the field, and you mm-hmm. you know you're in what you, you know routes versus air line and fourteens. You know the guy going in front of you, and he just takes off. And you know, you know there's no way in hell and heck. I'm going to be able to match that. <laughs> like, look at that route that guy just ran. Um, but, you know, we all, we all, uh, you know, we play to our, our, our skills, our skill set. Um, and, and that's some, you know, you see with DK and Tyler, two totally different players. Um, and so far, we've kind of all found our, our mold and our role in that room. Coming in as an undrafted guy and coming out of college, I was an undrafted guy, but never made the team. So I went through camp with that feeling of oh, uneasiness yeah. oh. where you're trying to fight it out every day. Yeah. Now that you've made the team and you've been around here a little bit, has any of that subsided? Do you feel any more comfortable or secure right now? No. Uh, and I, I wish every day I wish that I did. Uh, <laughs> you know, dude, it is the worst because, you know, I don't know why. Maybe it's going through three months of being the guy you were just talking about. Um, that's, you know, it's kind of ingrained in your mind, like every week for some reason, I'm telling myself, dude, you got to go out and produce on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in order to make the team the next week. Um, which is a good mindset to have. It's kind of exhausting. Um, but I guess that's kind of just who I am. Um, and we'll, we'll roll with it. Can you take people inside that feeling you described in the offseason program, going through training camp, seeing, like you said, the other guys in this receiver room, they take a guy in the first round there, the mindset that you approached every day with. Yeah, um, I think if you if you go by results, um, you're going to drive yourself into the ground. So you really just have to kind of compete with yourself every day is kind of was was my mindset. Just be better than I was yesterday, whether it was, you know, I'm getting two reps. So I got two reps yesterday and I lost one, one, one. OK, if I get two today, let's win both. If I get one today, let's go 100 um, percent. So it's just, you know, being able to because you can't. You know, you can't look at it as I'm trying to climb the ladder because, I mean, that's the top of the ladder is three months down the road. So there's really, you know, there's nothing you can do to kind of quantify that right now. What's it like when you going through camp, you're working a lot with Drew Locke, who was the backup there and some of the other guys. And now all of a sudden in season working with Geno Smith, it's his second season there, but he's been around this league. What stood out to you about him as a quarterback? Just his leadership style. Um, you know, I've I've been around some, you know, Good, good, really good quarterbacks. Played with Daniel Jones in college. Played with you know DTR with the Browns right now in college, um, and, and those guys are really good. Have really good you know uh, leadership styles. Um, but but Gino's a little different, just because you know he's truly a guy. When things start to go south, okay, we're finding seven. We're going to be all right. Um, he calms everybody down. Um, but then also, if we need a fire lit under us, he's the guy to do that as well. So I've never really seen a guy that can kind of do both of that. Um, it's been really cool to see out of him for sure. Does he throw the prettiest football you've ever seen? Yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's un- unbe- unbelievable. People always say like a catchable ball or anything like that, but there's something to be said for the aesthetic of just being high and tight like that. Dude, the the ball he threw to Noah Fant over the middle um, in between like four defenders this last Sunday. I, I, I watched it six times on film. 
Freak show play. Absolute freak show play. Listen, I know you got a big day, but I want to get you out here on this because I realize going into this, you're a Northeast guy. You're from Massachusetts originally. Yeah. I'm from Connecticut, and you've kind of been all over the place through your football journey. You head down to Duke yeah. first, so you're going down south a little bit. You head out mm-hmm. and finish up at UCLA, and now you're in the Pacific Northwest. So you're about as far from home as humanly yeah. possible. So I want to know what's the thing that you miss most about the Northeast and what's the thing that you've learned to like most about the Pacific Northwest? Okay. Uh, I miss the, the seasons of the Northeast. Um, you know, when you get the leaves and you, you know, growing up football season was beautiful and you, you can kind of smell it. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But up here, when I came in the summer and everybody's like, dude, it's going to rain all the time. It's going to be terrible. It did not rain one time from June to the end of August, and it was unreal. Everything was green, um, you know, 75 and sunny every day. Um, so that was pretty cool. And the, and the people are great too. Um, obviously, you know, Seahawks fans, um, you know, they're diehard fans, but they've they've welcomed me with open arms. Um, and, and the passion that they put into this thing has been really cool to see as well. Man, put this guy on the Seattle board board of tourism, guys. He's ready here. These beautiful, lush Pacific Northwest summers. Jake, we appreciate the time, man. Best of luck the rest of the season. It's been fun watching you get after it, and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon after more highlight reel catches. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Dad, I say this so lovingly. This is a guy that ran a 49940 at UCLA's yeah. pro day. Uh, is that unreal? This draft process here and just getting to talk to him there. He's the closest thing we have to that guy that lived down the hall from you in your dorm playing in the NFL. Just a wildly normal good dude. 6'4", though. I mean, what a what a good size, you know, for a wide receiver and a Kill first it on three. bookstore basketball. It's exactly right. First four games, he had four total targets. The last two games, he had seven targets and averaging anywhere from 15 to 21 yards a catch. So good to see, especially in that in that receiver room. <laughs> How about, yeah, take a picture next to Metcalf, right? You I got, mean, that that's ridiculous. But, I mean, you've got every body type yeah, in that you room. Do. From him, bigger yep. normal guy, DK Metcalf, bigger Freak. everything guy yep. Tyler Lockett very small guy there yep. and then in the middle of that is Jackson Smith and Jigba variety the spice mm-hmm. of life and the flavor of the Seahawks wide out the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA with same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. Kick off your NFL weekend with Thursday Night Football on Prime. It is on. Bucks at Bills. Buffalo coming off a surprising loss to New England last week, but quarterback Josh Allen is 5-0 Thursday night in his NFL career. And earlier this week, Allen's favorite target, Stephon Diggs, gave some thoughts on why the Bills have found so much success on Thursday night. You're not trying to make too much of a complicated game plan, I'll probably say. Like, usually we have the time to, like, study and kind of, like, flip the pages, I guess, like, more so when it's a short week. You plan fast and you kind of keep it real, real like not small but still have an open playbook but it's like all right the stuff that we know we're good at we plan fast we're not thinking as much um and it's like you're a little bit fresher like i know it's a smaller week but uh you're not practicing as much I'm like doing a little bit more walkthroughs rather than just putting a lot of ground on your body so guys are probably a little fresher even though we had a game on sunday so and it's just you know you get up for it you know it's thursday night football well guys they're gonna need that tnf magic because with an l they would fall to 500. Yeah, I mean, they've lost, what, two of their last three. And the only Thursdays I played on were Thanksgivings. It wasn't an everyday Thursday game uh, when I was playing. And, and he's right. You, you get ready for a Thursday game, you never touch your pads. Those never go on. Though I think occasionally under Buddy Ryan, they did go on maybe for a day, which which would shock nobody. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you yeah. guys were also like one or two standard deviation points away from a time where guys were ripping heaters in the halftime yeah. locker room. There's so no, no sports doubt about science it. wasn't necessarily at the forefront <clears throat> no, of the conversation. No, it was not. But the bottom line is now you would never put a pad on. It's all about walkthroughs and getting your body right for this. Sometimes when you're playing, it's easier if you're playing like a conference or, or especially a divisional opponent who you know. Then it's just like, okay, we know what they're going to do. They know what we're going to do. A lot of it's about, you know, execution of that guy across from you. Now it is anyway, but as far as game plans are concerned here, you know, it's two teams that don't face each other a lot, you know, and, and different conferences as well. So there's a little more of let's dive into the book of what their game plan is and what they're doing. And then it's really about yourself as well. Bills have had guys out on the defensive side of the ball, but the offense hasn't really picked it up by being sluggish. Tampa Bay can't run the ball for anything. So they're relying on the pass game. Your Baker Mayfield, not shockingly, nicked up a little bit. Godwin nicked up a little bit. So as you mentioned at the start of the show, Mike, it's getting in kind of the grinder part of the season as we're approaching the halfway point where the Knicks turn into guys missing a game or two here or there or just not being at 100%. Yeah, and you mentioned the Bills losing two of their last three. The Patriots, like we said, in that division, it's always going to feel different. Two of their three losses this year in Buffalo are division right. opponents in the Jets and the Patriots. And then the Jags game was the London game. And so part of, you know, especially that's a home game for Jacksonville. Right. They stayed right. over there two weeks. And so they're getting used to their new surroundings. I'm inclined to still lean Buffalo's way or yeah, still lean yeah, Buffalo's Buffalo. yes, way in yes. this game. FPI on ESPN.com has them with an 82.7% chance to win. But, man, the long-term prognosis. So now we got the announcement this week. Dawson Knox is going to be out, had to have a procedure on his wrist. And their other tight ends banged up. So really the only healthy guy they have to call on right now is Dalton Kincaid, their rookie first-round pick. Ed Oliver, questionable with the toe injury here. You've already got um, the other member of their uh, defensive tackle group out there dealing with an injury, too. I'm blanking on his name right now. Jordan Phillips. Limited right. with a back injury. You're already missing Daquan Jones, who's been out on IR. Matt Milano, who's been out on IR. Tredavious White, who's out on IR. Like, you look all around, and it's just been a mash unit yeah. for Buffalo to where even if they survive this, Dad, 
a Thursday night game at this juncture with all of these injuries is just going to be another thing. You get the mini buy coming off of it after the fact. Right, right. I don't know if there's anybody that needs it more than Buffalo right now. Yeah, you just kind of, if you got that nick right now, you just kind of gut through this game as best you can, knowing you have 10 days on the other side. And a lot of this talk is about the Bills because we always put them as one of the best teams in the AFC, right? Who have struggled, as we mentioned, in the last two, losing two of the last three. But for Tampa Bay, we're talking about an NFC South that is wide open, save for Carolina, right? You have three teams in Atlanta, New Orleans, and and Tampa Bay are going to be fighting for what we think is going to be one spot like Tampa Bay got last year with a losing record. And remember, Tampa Bay started out 2-0, and but unfortunately, since what they put up in the last four games, 56 points and averaging under 300 yards total offense. So the offense has gotten kind of stagnant here, as I mentioned, especially the running game. So... You know, for Tampa Bay fans or, or people looking at that, I mean, this team is playing for a lot as well. We, I think we all just kind of look at Buffalo and say, well, this is the team that really has a shot to go deep, and nobody thinks that at Tampa Bay. And, I, and quite honestly, I'm one of them. I, I don't think any team coming out of the NFC South is going to do it. And someone has to. Someone's going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, Unfor- I think for- against our better judgment, <laughs> yes. we're still allowing this to happen. <laughs> we are. And, and they should. I, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I mean, that we start should. to change. Yeah. I mean, let's not do that. Okay. Let's not I mean, do the, the, the knee-jerk reaction of, oh, my God, a losing oh, record can't be in the playoffs. All right. Let's say it's not a knee-jerk reaction. We've seen this in years past where teams add not around Not that many 500. times. Okay. I mean, Enough let's count times up times to worry. What's enough? I mean, Seattle years ago. I mean, how many? What? That, that, it, it, no, 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 no. You I'm win your saying, division, you're in the playoffs. I mean, this is because that's the way we've always done these things. In extenuating circumstances, we should be able to smash glass in case. Now, the NFC in general, I think you're going to. Like, it'd be one thing. Honestly, the thing we should campaign for is an AFC team should be able to replace the winner, the divi- uh, winner of the, of the NFC? A- NFC South. <laughs> like, at this point, we've got all of these good teams over in the AFC, or at least that we perceive to be good teams over there that we believe are actually capable of it, which I, I don't know, kind of goes to the core question of this, Dad, because you mentioned Tampa Bay. They are playing for a very different set of goals right now. Baker Mayfield has come here and outplayed expectations so far for what a lot of people had for this team. They had left them for dead. They assumed that this is going to be a team in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, and they have been anything but so far in this season. Their goal is to win a bad division in the NFC South. And then beyond that, they've got bigger questions about what their long-term future is going to look like at that position. Because even as well as Baker's played, I don't think you can go into this offseason without trying to address that position somehow, some way. For Buffalo, the question is is always going to be with them. Is this a team you trust to win a Super Bowl? or not in this season. And dad, I, I I struggle to say no. And I feel like it just comes down to the Josh Allen factor of it all. Because last year, even despite that elbow injury, they were still one of the top offenses in the sport. That was still a team that suffered injury last year. I mean, hell, that's the impetus for the Von Miller ACL injury. (laughs) And the way that we talk about what that team lost, they've been banged up before and they found a way through it. Which makes me believe, yeah, they're still going to be a playoff team. I still think they have a very real chance to win the AFC East, them and Miami going neck and neck. But I struggle with the Super Bowl portion of this just because health is as important. We talked about health so much now, but in the playoffs, that's almost the sole determining factor sometimes with the quality of teams that make it in there. And I, I don't know where I sit with them there. I think I still say yes, but this is a team we've talked about. Very questionable window right now, given all the injuries. I mean, right now, do you put? I put Kansas City, I put Miami, I put Baltimore at least ahead of Buffalo, right? 
And yeah, we'll, as far as we're doing the binary of team I trust right now that I believe is a true Super Bowl contender, Miami, absolutely. Baltimore, absolutely. Uh, the Chiefs, absolutely, absolutely overwhelmingly. Yes, yes, so. yes. Well, we got to see if Cincy's going to jump back into this. And Buffalo is there, but unfortunately with Buffalo, you know, and a lot has to do with injuries. I get it, but it, it's kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde. What are you going to get? How about this, Mike? How about we do this to take care of your uh, nobody getting in from the NFC South? Let's make the NFL the the make it the Big Twelve. Thirty-two teams, no more national AFC, no more NFC. Thirty-two teams, top fourteen make the playoffs. Oh, uh, you know what? I the, we already <laughs> know people wouldn't go for it the round robin style version of this because we had a good thing like that. Not necessarily a round robin for anything of male value, but. Adam Silver and the NBA doing away with the team drafts that right, we've for, seen for the yep. All-Star game. They're going right. back to East and West. What a coward's way out here. <laughs> I'm so mad at them for that. Going back to East and West, yeah. no more target scoring in the fourth quarter. They're complaining to these guys about effort in the All-Star game. Come That's on. not how these games work anymore. Grow up and let us have the one bit of entertainment value, which I is agree. watching guys squirm in the live draft for the All-Star team. Can, how yeah. dare they? Stop making the All-Star game so something important just stop it's an exhibition game find as many ways as you can to have some fun at it and i'm with you i i'm, I'm kind of sorry it's going back to east west yeah disgusting effort there from the nba we will get to a first at all our alma mater next year on gojo and gola Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Michael Jr., Michael Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield here, finishing up the way we always do with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your day. If you missed any of our show today or our great guest, Jake Bobo, Seahawks wide receiver, rookie undrafted sensation, 49940 time left in the dust. I feel like that's a great crap and bleep talking point, by the way, for him is – if you go out there and dust somebody, you are got getting dusted by the guy that ran a 499 at his yep. pro day at UCLA. Can feel pretty good about that. Awesome interview. If you missed any of it, check it out wherever you get your podcast or on the DraftKings YouTube channel, available right after we get done with the show. That is live, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, every Monday through Friday on the DraftKings Network, DraftKings YouTube, uh, and uh, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, wherever else you get it. Let's get to this, that, and the third, guys. We got a first. Speaking of this, that, and the third, we got a first. At our alma mater, Dad, we've got the first female leprechaun set to take the stage at Notre Dame. Kylie Kaczynski is going to be the first female leprechaun at the Notre Dame football game. She's a junior computer science major from Illinois. And it's worth noting, Dad, at the football game, because like a lot of other campuses, yeah. my favorite thing going around in college is learning <clears throat> facts about the mascot yes. who's available on campus. And with many campuses, Notre Dame is not uh, you know, unusual to this. You've got multiple mascots right. because you've got right. a lot of sporting events going around at, month, at, uh, at different events. But the mascot at the Notre Dame football games, that's the A-team mascot. That's exactly. Everyone, you're on scholarship, yes. all the things that come along with that. And so congratulations to Kylie. That's awesome to see. Awesome green suit. Going to be uh, styling and profile. Can't wait. I, I, yeah, it's very cool. You know, I, I love seeing the animation of, of mascots on the sideline. And this one is not wearing, you know, you know, the big head thing and something that's a little harder to move in. There's free movement out there running around. And you got to kind of get to show off a little bit your your speed, your athleticism, running, doing some things with the fans or on the field. Cool thing. Good for her. And like you said, it, it is like 
a lot of other colleges where there are multiple mascots that you see at basketball games or or different events there. But uh, good for good for her. Congratulations. The, fun, the best ones I learned this year was when I was at Oregon because they have the duck do push-ups for all the right, touchdowns right. score for every point that scored. The duck does a push-up. And Oregon scored, you know, 70 points this year. They've scored over 40 and 50 a bunch of times. And someone let me in on they have multiple ducks within the body of the same game. So they're going to be subbing multiple ducks in so that no one's getting a major lactic acid buildup, waking up the next day feeling like their chest is about to explode. So they got multiple ducks to come in there. And I also felt like, you know how, like, kids shield your ears for a second when you go to disney world and sometimes you see the mascot like take off the head and they're worried about traumatizing the children i saw the dance team who sometimes these dance teams on campus incorporate the mascot into the dance we're out there early enough for college football saturday night powered by learfield that you can listen to every saturday evening with me and chris Mm -hmm. hassel Mm -hmm. we're out there pretty early before the games and so a lot of times we'll see the bands warming up or we'll see the cheerleading teams practicing dances, whatever. And I looked down and I saw the dance team that all has the matching outfits on. And one girl was dressed in all black and she kind of came in late. I said, oh, that's got to be the mascot. Like we're seeing the mascot right now out of costume. We're seeing the shattering of the grand illusion. And sure enough, we get to halftime and she's dressed up as, you know, uh, Washington has their uh, dubs, the actual dog mascot. But then they've got the person wearing the costume. And sure enough, it was the costume girl going out there, letting it rip. And so Mm. uh, that was a tough one. Really kind of broke my brain a little bit. Yeah, but but they they can't be in costume that early. I I, kind of get it. He's sweating and it'd be gross. Yeah, that's up. By the way, you know how. You have a family like like our family. I play football. You play football. Jake played football. Across the street from us here at Notre Dame is a is a very nice couple that that we see every now and then. the the wife the the wife it was a former Notre Dame cheerleader, and one of their sons was a leprechaun at Notre Dame. So all in the family there across oh, the street. Oh wow! Yeah, pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. I I do like the idea of a legacy leprechaun. Yeah. There. Yeah. Feels- exactly. Yeah. There we go. Nepotism making its way into the mascot game. (laughs) Jesse, what do we have for that right now? Yeah, okay, let's talk some NBA. Apparently, NBA likely to expand to 32 teams once its next set of media rights deals are completed. The two cities that are being considered are apparently Vegas and Seattle. And I feel like Vegas is the one that everybody's going to have their eye on. Oh, well, Vegas, Vegas is the one LeBron's yeah, yeah. going to have his eye on. He's been openly pining for this for years, Dad. Yeah, he has, you know, and everybody getting into ownership. Speaking of which, did you see that, uh, what was it, Miles Garrett is buying a, a uh, into the Cleveland Cavaliers? Yes, he's going to so. be a partial owner and brand <clears throat> yeah. ambassador, brand which ambassador. Means we get to see him in a basketball jersey more looking terrifyingly large. Just yeah. would be awesome. But uh, listen. They're going to be in Vegas. Baseball, we feel that the, the A's are eventually what going to be in Vegas. You're going to have the four majors in Vegas, which is still amazing because it is just not that long ago when that was like so taboo to think there would be a pro sport in Vegas. And now once the league's all figured out the amount of friggin' money you can make off of this, oh, cool, we're, we're all good. Let's go to Vegas, which we all knew would be fine. Uh, and it is. Now they're going to have four major. That, that's a no-brainer to me. And going back to Seattle, those Seattle fans would have to be ecstatic to get a team back there again. I mean, I feel like if we're going to continue to expand the Vegas footprint, and obviously it's worked out well, right? The Golden Knights got a championship. Yes. The Aces just went back-to-back. Back. The Vegas Raiders exist, uh, which is yes. pretty cool <laughs> yeah. for them. 
Uh, and they're probably about to swallow the Oakland A's hole as that whole back and forth was pretty ugly. At the very least, basketball owes us the Supersonics going back to Seattle. I don't care about much. I don't have a lot of ties to the Pacific Northwest, but the aesthetic of that team was yeah. sensational, and that fan base around that team is awesome. And so we need to right that wrong. Sending them to Oklahoma City was already insane, although shout out to my buddy Gabe Eichert and everybody in Oklahoma yeah. who loves Enjoy that Oklahoma that. City yeah. Thunder yeah. there. We love that for them. But it robbed Seattle unnecessarily, and so it's time to bring them back and do the right thing, NBA. You get to have your Las Vegas cake, but at some point you got to eat your vegetables and that's sending the seattle supersonics back to where they rightly belong uh jesse let's get to the third here yeah okay so chris pratt has something to say about kids trophies he had an instagram post uh where he was showing his wife katherine schwarzenegger and she was going through her old boxes in her house that her mom maria shriver had kept for her that had you know, items from her childhood. So Pratt goes on to say, it's very thoughtful. I cannot say how proud I am of my wife for being a fourth grade problem solving superstar. That was one trophy. There's also a trophy for most improved two year old in swim class. And then he kind of jokes around, but then he says, but real talk, once your kid goes through the stuff, is it okay to toss? I mean, do we need the, I was on a sports team trophy. Can they be donated? Well, all right. The, this this one hits close to home yeah. for me. Now, first I will uh, say, Mike's stuff, Jake's stuff, Sydney's stuff, we kind of let them go through it and decide what they want to keep. When I was done at ESPN, we had been there for you know a long time, a couple of decades, so there was a lot of stuff accumulated there. And when we moved there, we had a, a, a one of the big garbage things out in our garage to just toss stuff into out in the driveway. And one time I took some stuff out there and I looked in there and like all my awards were in there. My wife had just tossed them. And I was like, what? You know, she said, do you want to bring them from house to house? And I, I was like, no, but you didn't even ask. You know, you just she just tossed them. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. bring them as they're already sitting fractured in the garbage? Okay, but I have yeah, a question. I, mean, I have yeah. a question because I, I, I would love to ask your wife this. I wonder how many times she maybe asked you to go through those. Oh, yeah, over the point. years, over the months. I wonder how many times she well, maybe said, hey, babe. I don't recall. Well, of don't course recall you don't recall. Asking. I don't recall her asking at all, in, in all honesty. That sounds no, like I have no idea. Boy she, she may have. But, and, yeah. and quite honestly, I get it, tossing some of I, I I understand that. Because, this is a I mean, pattern with mom, though. I know. Listen, with mom, though. She, threw out, she threw out what could have been, you know. What could have been hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. worth of vintage premier Pokemon cards yeah. that were taken from under my nose when I was away out of the house and cast off into the night. And so this is a pattern yeah. right now. It's not a full-blown trend yet, but it's a pattern, and it's a dubious one. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, she did that. She has her reasons for doing it. And as far as I'm concerned, her reasons are fine. I agree with everything she's ever done. <laughs> what I'm going to say, and I'm going to stick with that story. Let's just leave it at that. Boy, you guys all, all watched in real time. Gone. My dad get out a little bit over his skis, reel himself back in there. Ooh, back in. Reel himself back Don't in. Don't need a crash landing. <laughs> no, no, we do not here. Uh, everyone, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.